chapter 4 we're going to finish off the chapter tonight well we're either going to finish off the chapter or we're going to finish the chapter tonight and go back and catch the beginning of the chapter next week. We'll see. But we began uh, began in verse 11. Kind of just been working our way through. And uh, we're kind of kind of going to pick up where we left off last time. Um, and the podcasts for the last couple weeks are now up. And so... Um, it would take me a while to recap last week, and so um, we. The topic was, um, basically, like how do you know when to be weird and when to fit in? Uh, to borrow that idea from Francis Chan, um, we're living out our lives. How do you know um, when it comes to? various issues, various situations that we find ourselves in. How do you know when is a time to uh, to be different from everybody else? And when is a time when we need to, uh, to maybe like fit in more as believers than maybe we want to at times? And it's that tension uh, of how do you know what to do? And so that's kind of what we talked about. And so if that's something that interests you, then I would encourage you to go listen to last week. Um, I wouldn't say that we answered the question, but we talked about it. So, um, but the main idea from last week is where we will pick up this week. Look at verse 21. Um, the idea of the old self and the new self um, is something that is uh, pretty consistently talked about on Sunday nights here at the ring, and it's probably always going to be that way, and so um, kind of get used to it. Uh, hope that you like talking about it because it is a very big topic in the New Testament. Look at verse 21. It says, assuming that you've heard about him, him being Jesus, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self, Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That idea of putting off the old self and putting on the new self. Um, the fact that when we are born, we are separated from God because of sin. We walk in darkness because he is light and we are completely separated from him. And through no work of our own as Christians, God has crossed us over from death into life, from darkness into light. And so that is this this old life versus new life that we're talking about, that um, we were stuck in a situation that we could not change. And there was, as, as good as anybody 
tries to be in their life never good enough to become uh, holy and therefore can be in the presence of God. And so Jesus comes, just like we sang about, he comes, live, lives a perfect life, dies as, as the sacrifice, pays the price that then allows us to cross over into this new life. And so um, as a, for a Christian, um, the, uh, the, the best way for me to, uh, for me to understand it, like visually, would be if you have two circles that overlap, and we talk about this a lot, uh, a lot that one circle is, is your old life, and the other circle is the new life. And if you overlap them together, in that overlap is kind of where we exist. That God has not, um, he's not taken us out of this old life with all this, these old patterns of thought and action and all this kind of stuff, and then completely erased all that stuff and then put us in this new life where we now, we, we think the way that he created us to think and we behave the way he created us to behave and, and all this kind of stuff. He's chosen to overlap those two things. That there's this, this tension between the old life and the new life and he's put us there on purpose. And the reason why he has done that, I believe, is, is to teach us. Is to put us in those situations where our old self, we were... Uh, we were ruled over by sin and by darkness and by all these things. And so now he has saved us from that. But now we're, we're put in that overlap where we make these choices. And every day we live our lives. And I mean, the most simple way to put it is that every day we are able to, to choose between our old pattern and our new pattern. And um, sometimes we choose well and sometimes we choose poorly. And in both situations, we learn a lot. And over the course of time, we learn uh, in that overlap, we learn, usually the hard way, but over time, God changes our heart and changes our hearts, changes our heart. It's where we begin to love the things that he loves and hate, hate the things that he hates. And the choices become much more obvious um, to us, and it becomes the way that we live. And that's why people who have had a relationship with God for decades, um, it shows up in their maturity. Versus someone who's had a relationship with God for like 25 minutes. It's going to be very, very different. And so all of us are, are in this overlap and in the classroom of God. And so that's what's so cool about being a part of the church is that every one of us is learning the same exact lessons all the time. And so if I have just one of those days and I'm doing like pretty well, okay, guess what? Tomorrow might not be the case. And if one of you is having a terrible day today, guess what? Tomorrow might be great. So we're all in the same boat. We're all learning the same lessons. So God has put us all in the same thing so we can learn each, from each other and we can help one another, and it's, it's awesome. And so here in this letter, um, he says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self. Okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be consistent with my, uh, my stage imagery, okay? But I, I think left to right, which probably because I, I don't know about you, but I write left to right. And so maybe if I was Jewish and I was writing Hebrew, I would think right to left. But um, I think left to right, so I'm, but I'm going to try to go my right, your left, like this a lot tonight. And it'll make sense in just a second to see why I do that, okay? So if you think old self over here and you think new self over here, if we follow the pattern of this verse, okay, look look. Verse 22, put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, 
and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay? What we talked about last week was that the key to um, putting off this life and putting on this life lies in between what, what it says in this verse and that the key is that is to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Okay? To be renewed in the spirit of your mind is to basically fill your mind with truth. In which case, I'll probably do this a lot. Fill your mind. Okay? Uh, so we fill our minds with truth, and that is how we put off this and we put on this. Now, when it says put on this, it, that literally means to walk it out. To live out the truth of your life. And so every day of our lives... This is the situation that we're in. This old life is like, it's so just comfortable, you know? It's like that old raggedy pair of like jeans that everybody has that you held them up to the light, you can see straight through them. And so most of the time it's not appropriate to wear them in public, but it's just, they're just so comfortable and uh, you have this history with them and like you love them. That's kind of how this old self is, but really different. Um, our old selves, it's, it's all that we knew for so long. That even though we were separated from God, we, you get really used to being separated from God. You get really used to um, walking in darkness and, so, and, and being controlled by sin and by uh, everything that comes with that. And so you get just really used to thinking in the patterns that everybody else over here thinks in. And so that's where like materialism comes from and that's where... Um, like weird self-image things come from, and that's where uh, greed comes from, and that's where um, selfish ambition and pride, and that's where all that stuff comes from. And so every day of our lives, that's this whole circle that's over here. And over here is, is the new self, and that's where humility exists, and that's where being generous exists, and being kind, and being compassionate, and being forgiving and so those two circles, as they overlap and we find ourselves in the middle, every day we're trying to put this off and we're trying to walk this out and live this out every day. And the key is we fill our minds with truth. Okay, so maybe, maybe this would be a good example. Let's say, let's say that tonight when you came in here that your entire day today um, has had like zero Jesus in it. Okay? And, and so... Let's say that you walked in, and this has been the pattern of your day so far, all right? You come in to this place, and we begin singing about the goodness and the enduring love of God. And then we focus our minds specifically on ways in our lives that he is doing that. And then we sing, um, Lord of all, and we sing about him never letting go and we sing about the cross being the key to all that. And the cross as the expression of the heart of God. When it gets to this point, here's what has happened. You, whether you were singing or not, visually, you saw truth on those screens. And your mind was filled. And so at this point in your day, you're in a completely different spot than you have been. Simply because of that. Okay, just, just in theory. So maybe up until 6, this it was the pattern you were walking in. But since you've been in here, there's been tension because all of a sudden your mind is being filled with truth. And whether you realize it or not, you are spurred on to walk on this side of things now. 
That's how it works. That would be why beginning your day in prayer and in the scriptures would be so important. If you treat the beginning of every day as, as though you're waking up and this is the pattern that's going to tempt you, this is the old pair of jeans that you want to put on, you begin, you say, I'm going to fill my mind with truth because I want to walk this out today. Does that make sense? And so that's, that's where we are. That's where we are every single day. And granted, some days are, like, are easier than others. Some days are harder than others. Some days you mess up a lot. And some days you, you really do. Like you walk this out, and it's awesome. And so that's where we find ourselves. And so Paul's writing this letter to this church, and he's encouraging them, and he's challenging them. He's putting this in front of them. He's saying, this is who you are now. And this, being filled with truth, that's how you walk this out. And this is this pair of jeans, this old self is always going to look tempting. But the more you attack that, and the more you fill your mind with truth, and the more, the more you just go after it, the more your life is going to look like this. I think that's beautiful. It's very challenging. So basically what he's saying is, fill your mind with truth and walk it out every day. Fill your mind with truth and live it. Now the next paragraph, he gets super practical. And so if you like practical application, this paragraph is going to, you're just going to love it. Let's, let's read the whole thing together, and then we'll kind of break it down. Look at verse 25. It says, Therefore, okay, because of what we just talked about, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no, no longer steal Rather, let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as, the, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Let's walk through these one at a time, and I want to. I'm going to continue to use my um, uber creative visual illustration this to um, to show you a pattern. Now, look, this is not a formula. All right, this is not an abracadabra that's going to fix your life. Okay, but I want I want us to see exactly what he's trying to communicate and the way that it flows into everyday life in a way that I believe every one of us can apply uh, directly. Look at verse 25. Okay. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Okay? Now, we're going to leave that verse up there because I'm going like, to pick it apart a little bit. Um, okay, so this is talking about lying, basically. Okay, put away falsehood, all right? So that would be on this side of the stage, all right? That would be the old life where we, we lie and we deceive and we tell half-truths and all this kind of stuff. 
because you're always trying to protect yourself and all this kind of stuff. And we could spend a whole night talking about just that. But here's what he's saying. Put away falsehood. All right? Because, of it, because it's not who you are, it's being put away. Now, every day, that is a temptation of ours that we face. All right? So, therefore, put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. All right? Now, because it, uh, it says his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Okay? So, this is talking about specifically among other Christians. All right? So, over here is lying. Over here is speaking the truth to other believers. All right? So, this is, this is what we face. This is the tension that we live in. In a, practic- in a way that's practically applied, um, the overlapping circle, there we are in the middle, and there's both of them, all right? Now, the truth of the verse that you could put in the middle, that would be this part, all right? Like on my notes, my awesome notes that I had to recreate because I left my real ones at home, I have like lists on one side and lists on the other side and something circled in the middle. So if you want to do that, um, it's pretty easy to replicate. Um, on, on this side would be falsehood. This side would be telling the truth to, to everyone. And, and here's the, the truth that you fill your mind with from this verse. For we are members of one another. And when it comes to other believers, other Christians, we all belong to each other. And so, because we all belong to each other, and that's the truth that I fill my mind with, falsehood starts becoming an option, and that pushes me to walk out speaking truth to each other. This is how you apply it. And here's, and here's, let me maybe back up just a little bit. I think we always, we always want to know, okay, so what, what do I do? Like I want life change to happen, so what do I do? And we kind of see two extremes. There's one extreme of, uh, well, God does everything, so I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. And whenever he wants to change the way I act or think or talk or whatever, that he can just do it. And until then, I'm just going to keep doing whatever, and he can just change my heart or my mind or whatever. Because we know, we know the truth uh, that God does everything. We have nothing to do with these transformations. Like, there are miracles that are worked out, and only he does it. And so one extreme is to respond with, okay, I'm going to do nothing. The other extreme is obviously to, like, okay, I'm just going to take the bull by the horns. And I'm going to overcome this addiction. I'm going to overcome this issue that I have or this struggle, or I'm going to fix this problem or whatever. And so we end up like trying to like muscle God out. So then, who gets the glory? We do. And the truth is, both of those things work together. That it's some kind of mixture of God doing everything and us getting in there and putting in some effort. And that's what we have to walk forward in: is understanding that that believing that as we as we step out in faith and we take on these whatever you want to call them tasks or like whatever. It's, we step out there and we do things. We believe he's going to empower that and bring about that life change. And so if we're going back to verse 25 and we have lying on one side and we have speaking truth to everyone on the other side, this is something over here we have to do. We have to intentionally go after this. You don't accidentally stumble into this. There's no shortcut to this over here. It requires effort. These community groups this summer and all these topics and stuff, not one of them is going to fix anything in your life. We're hopefully going to give you tools that you can then step into and implement, but it's ultimately going to come down to you 
just doing some work. And not in a self-centered way, in a, in a God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, and I'm trusting you're going to make something happen. You're going to empower that a miracle is going to happen in my life in this, in that kind of way. So here's the pattern. Falsehood over here, lying to other believers, truth, speaking only truth to one another over here, and here is the reason why, because we're members of one another. I read this week that, um, that this, this is basically like, okay, if um, you know, we're the body of Christ, okay? So let's say that, that if you are eating, all right, and your eye lies to your hand about where the mouth is, you will stab yourself in the eye or the ear or the armpit, right? And that made so much sense to me. I'm like, why in the world would the eye lie to the hand about where the mouth is? That not only, it, first, it doesn't benefit the body, but it actually brings harm to the body because then you have a fork stuck in your eye. And what's crazy is that the eye would be the one lying. And so, I don't know, that whole thing just, just got me really thinking. Like, all it does, it does nothing but bring harm. And that makes so much sense. Why would we lie to each other? Because all it does is bring pain into our own body. So we fill our mind with the truth that we belong to one another. This church, all the other churches, all over the globe, all throughout all time, we all belong to one another. So it would be completely stupid and painful to lie to each other. And the more we focus on that truth and we fill our mind with truth, this looks really stupid, and this looks really, really, really good. That's what that verse is saying. So, if lying is something that you struggle with, then you focus on filling your mind with the truth of this verse, and then you step out in faith, and you start telling people the truth. And even though it may hurt, you're believing that God is going to do something miraculous on this side. Look at the next verse. Verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. That verse says, be angry. Some of y'all are like, I'm going to highlight that verse. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. All right? On this side, you have sinful anger. All right? There are some things that need to make us angry. If you see injustice happening, it needs to make you angry. That's perfectly fine. If you're a college student, and it makes you angry that people come in Free Speech Alley and they completely misrepresent Jesus in every possible way, it's okay that that makes you angry. That's good anger. If you're a parent and you're at a soccer game and some other kid attacks your kid or some other parent talks down to your kid and something rises up in you, that's good to defend your child, to defend your spouse, whatever. Those kind of things are good. What this is saying is that obviously... Um, there is anger that is justified, but it only should go so far. To be angry, but without crossing the line into it becoming sin. So over here would be sinful anger. And over here on this side, we'll be doing something about it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. 
I've been in my share of premarital counseling sessions before someone gets married and they're like, and we talk about fighting a little bit, you know, and they're like, we've already decided we're not going go to we're not gonna go to bed until we resolved every issue. And some of the veteran couples are laughing like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. And so maybe this verse is literal, but you know what? Truth is, there's some situations, and I'm not just talking about in marriage, I'm not just in life. There's some things that are just not going to be resolved by staying up past midnight talking about it, you know? You know? The big issue of this verse is maybe not necessarily like, look, the sun's going down, and uh, we got 15 minutes, according to the weather.com, when the sun's going down to figure this out, you know? Uh, this, is, this is really saying you need to deal with your issues, Okay, so over here is anger that becomes sinful and becomes a problem. Over here is let's let's deal with it. And if we can deal with it before the sun goes down, awesome. Let's be in agreement that we're not going to let this take root. That's what is over here. And here's what lies in the middle. Here's the truth. The end of uh, look at verse 27. Give no opportunity to the devil. We fill our minds with this truth, that the devil, Satan, the enemy, loves to attack our relationships by making us bitter and resentful and trying to get us to not deal with stuff and get us to cross over into sinful anger. He wants nothing more than for you to not deal with your issues. He wants your marriage to be full of tension. He wants your friendships to uh, fall apart and get to where you can't trust each other. He wants bitterness. He wants anger. He wants all those things. He really he does. And so here's what you do. You fill your mind with the truth of not dealing with anger gives the devil an opportunity to destroy my relationships. And that makes this look really foolish, and it makes this look like the only option that makes sense. Because when you fill your mind with that truth, you say, my marriage is too important. My friendships are too important. So you say, let's deal with it. And maybe it's, look, let's deal, let's, let's deal with this tomorrow, or maybe it's whatever, however you choose to do that. But that's how we walk out that truth. You fill your mind, and you let it scare you to death. Sometimes fear is a great motivator in a good way. So that's how that pattern plays out. There's practical anger. Look at the next one. Look at verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Okay? So on this side, we have stealing. We really have his greed. Because that's where stealing comes from. And I'm not talking about, you know, all right, I don't have all the time to tell you what I'm not talking about, but you know what I'm talking about, right? With, with uh, stealing, all right, there's greed, there's whatever on this side, okay? Now over here, you have honest work with your own hands. And so some of you may, you may hear that and be like, oh, I don't, I don't steal. I don't, I'm not a thief, you know, I don't shoplift from Circle K, like, I'm fine, you know. And we could get a little nitpicky, and we could talk about fibbing on your taxes. We could talk about, you know, 
time on the internet at work instead of doing your actual work. You know, we could talk about like business ethics and if you're in a position to be able to, you know, maybe flub a few things here and there and all that kind of stuff or um, claiming something took you longer than it did. Or, you know, there's so many things we could get into that could maybe fall into the category of stealing, but I won't talk about all that. Because maybe you say, oh, no, 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 I'm, I do honest work with my own hands and I, you know, get in there and, like, everything's legit. And that's good. And that is what is on this side, is honesty, is hard work, is this transition of life from someone who is full of greed and who's willing to just mess anybody over to get it, to someone on this side who is just honestly just, just trying to, to make sure that their needs are met and meet the responsibilities that you have and all that kind of stuff. And here's the truth that is in the middle, however, and this might be a bigger punch in the gut than you think. So that the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. That is the, that is the truth that we have to fill our minds with. That we live and work and try to accumulate finances so that we can be giving on this side of things. This verse says the whole point in us making money and having money is that we can meet needs on this side. And Sometimes that's meeting the needs of your family. Sometimes that's meeting the needs of your friends. Sometimes that's meeting the needs of kids who live on the other side of the world through adoption like we have done with World Vision. Um, sometimes it's meeting the needs of a guy standing, you know, on College Drive with a sign that says he's hungry. Sometimes, I mean, I, there's so many examples over here. And it's not meeting the needs of, I really need more of, of this or a bigger house or bigger house or car, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so you want to overcome materialism? So I'm not really convinced that most of us really do want to overcome it. We know we should, but we don't really want to. Fill your mind with the truth of that verse. That you work hard and you labor so that you will have something to give to anybody that has a need. To meet your needs and to meet the needs of others. Fill your mind with that truth. And that will make this look really foolish and this be the only way to live. See how this pattern is playing out? Let's, let's keep going. Look at verse uh, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. On this side is corrupting talk. That word is connected to like rotting fish, rotting fruit. I don't know that we have to get too far into examples of what corrupting talk is. I think, I think it makes sense. So that's what's on this side. Talk that corrupts and kills one another. On this side, according to this verse, only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, all right? That when an opportunity is in front of you, this 
over here is everything that's coming out of your mouth is just building people up, affirming people, encouraging them, pointing out the good things that you see. Sometimes it means lovingly correcting, doesn't it, parents? Sometimes it means you have to, you have to take a stand and tell your best friend, look him in the eye and say, look, I, I love you more than I can express, but this is not cool. As fits the occasion. It builds them up. So over here we have putting everybody down, making fun of everybody, blah, blah, blah. Over here we have everything that is good and edifying and the things that when someone does that to you, you just can't even describe the way it makes you feel. And here's the truth that we fill our minds with. End of verse 29. That it may give grace to those who hear. That the the function of our speech in all of our relationships is to speak grace into other people's lives. That the way you speak to the people that you work with is supposed to speak grace into their lives. You may never present the gospel. You may never unfold the cross-shaped track. You may never walk them down the Romans road. But maybe the way that you speak to them is the way that God penetrates their hearts with his grace and his love. That's the truth you fill your mind with. Is This is what my speech is supposed to be about. Makes this look stupid. Makes this look like the only option. Let's keep going to the end of the paragraph. Verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Over here there is grief. It is the Holy Spirit of God who loves you, who has accomplished salvation for you, who empowers you in everything, and it brings grief to him when we sin. So over here is his grief, and walking it out is simply not sinning. Simply put, that's what it says. Don't grieve him, and the way that you don't grieve him is you don't grieve him. And here's the truth that you fill your mind with, that we are sealed for the day of redemption. But there is coming a day, like we sang about in the song a minute ago, when everything is going to be made right. And here is the Spirit of God that is holding you and sealing you and keeping you there and guiding you and strengthening you and completely taking care of you in in every possible way. And when we fill our minds with that truth, why in the world would we want to grieve Him? That's the only thing that makes sense. Next two verses, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, and that word all is then applied to everything else that's listed here. So all bitterness... I'll do my loose interpretation. All bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor, all slander be put away from you along with all malice. Okay? That's everything over here. That's everything associated with your old life. There's so much of that that exists among Christians today. So much of that that exists in my life, in my heart. I try to pretend like it's not there, but there's bitterness. There is. And that is evidence of my old nature that needs to be put off, literally taken off like a garment. That's what's over here. Look at verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness. That's on this side. And here's the truth you fill your mind with. It says, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. 
says, Jesus forgave me, God forgave me in Christ. So this is stupid. Why would I've got to pay that forward in a sense? Why would I withhold that from anybody? He was kind toward me. He was tender-hearted toward me. He was compassionate to me. He was gracious with me. Why in the world would I treat anyway anyone with this? Just makes sense. And so here's this paragraph. It talks about lying, anger, stealing, and being greedy, corrupt talk, grieving the Holy Spirit, having bitterness and wrath and all that kind of stuff. So here's all this stuff. So here's the thing. If those are issues that exist in your life and you're like, I want these gone, then find that verse and fill your mind with that truth. Circle it in your Bible. Think about it. Ponder it. Get on the Internet and look up interpretations of what that means. I mean, you pursue that. And the more you fill your mind, the more you're going to be pushed onto this side to walk it out. And as you do, I believe that miraculous things happen. And what's awesome is that you may look at that and you may say, okay, um, not saying none of those things are in my life, but that's not the major thing in my life. Well, you take the major thing in your life, okay, and you get into the Word and you find truth to fill your mind with that's connected to that. You get in your concordance, and you find it. You get on the Internet, and you find it. You email your community group leader, and you say, I need to know where to start, but I need some truth to fill my mind with to deal with this issue so that I can walk in who I really am. That's the, that's the task. That's what we are faced with. And we can't just sit back and walk in this garbage and just expect everything to just get better all of a sudden. And that's what Paul is, is telling them. And put off the old self. Renew your mind. Fill your mind with truth. And walk out who you really are. Fully encompassed by the faith that it takes believing that God's going to do something incredible in your life. I don't know about you, but I look at, I look at the way that that, I look at that pattern I look at those examples, and that brings a lot of hope to me. It's, it spurs me on. It makes me want to hate this more and love this more. It makes my life want to look like this. My, my life is not going to look like this if the only time I fill my mind with truth is when I come into this room. So once again, the ball is hit back into my court, and I have to be responsible with what God's stirring in me. And that's the same thing for you. So kind of how we do this at the ring is we just kind of let it sink in for a few minutes and let it get personal because you know how it is. I mean, as soon as things start to get whatever, start thinking about where you're going to eat or what you're going to do or I wonder if LSU's winning, which some of y'all have probably been checking your phones the whole time anyway. So we like to have a time for us to focus and be responsible and things aren't crazy and distracting us. So I'm going to pray. The band's going to come. We're going to sing a little bit, see what God has for us personally, and then we'll be dismissed. So let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the hope um, that is found only in you.
and for the fact that um, every one of us here has just has a very different relationship with you. That every Christian, it's just it's it's personal and it's different. And we thank you that we're not all cookie cutters. God, that you deal differently with us. So we have a lot of common struggles. We have a lot of unique struggles. But the solution is always the same. Is you empowering our efforts. So God, help us to not, not go to either extreme when it comes to the things we want to see change in our lives. We don't want to sit back and do nothing. God, we don't want to box you out either, try to take credit for it. While we may not understand the tension of how those two things work, God, I pray that you that you'll bring us to a place, God, where we're ready to make the efforts to trust you for the outcomes. God, during this time, I pray that you will show us all where to start. That's what we need you to do, and we thank you that you're all, you've already begun that process.